Hi, this is Pat Blythe, and welcome to Love the Music. Today's date is July 20th, 2021. These are the Pandemic Interviews, Conversations in a Changing Time. Thanks for joining me for part two of my interview with Tom Wilson, tales and opinions as only he can tell them. During our first music break, you'll hear a special recording of a song he wrote in 2015. For this particular version, he partners on vocals with Isquay. For our final song, we'll hear the original recording with his band, Lee Harvey Osman. Sit back and enjoy one of Canada's greatest storytellers and musicians. Yeah, I touched on collaboration, and you are collaborating with Isquay, and I think yeah. this is a first for you. You've never, you haven't collaborated with her before. Well, we were friends. Her her partner uh, uh, used to teach my grandson's piano, so she'd come over to the house, and we'd hang around. And um, you know, she's a fierce performer. I photographed her at Mariposa. She's a fabulous. She's performer. outstanding. Oh, she's outstanding. Incredible. So uh, really what happened was um, I did, uh, since since discovering that I'm a Mohawk, um, unlike uh, colonial circles, and by the way, <laughs> I have to say that this whole conversation and my my answers are all very colonial. We're talking, <laughs> you know, we're not talking uh, the spirit of, of the Mohawks here um, where where we move through the world in a different way or through where my brothers and sisters move through the world in a different way than, than, uh, than Queen street or young street or Yorkville, you know, Isquay and I, I was asked to do the inspire awards at mm-hmm. the NAC, which is actually the last kind of big show that I did. Mm-hmm. So they hired, they, they wanted me to put together something. And I said, well, you know, I'll bring, I'll bring this, this combination of players and uh, the, here's the song I'll perform. They said, would you mind uh, collaborating with a few people? So, so they got Chuck Copinus, a brilliant jazz trumpet player from Winnipeg. And they said, and we would like you to sing with Isquay. I said, that's great. Isquay's my friend. I love Isquay. And so uh, we did this one performance at the Inspire Awards and the MCs for the show uh, and by the way, the Inspire Awards, I'd never heard of. I got my head up my ass most of the time. You know? I never heard of them either until I had read about them. Like, yeah, like yeah. I think it was close to probably 2,500, 3,000 people yeah. at the National Arts Center in Ottawa for this. You know, yeah. it was a big deal. And it was, in fact, inspiring because they are honoring people who are on the ground working for Indigenous people and Indigenous issues, lawyers and social workers and artists. Um, so it, it is a fantastic, fantastic event, I find out. But uh, we do one song and they say, and now this is the new Indigenous supergroup, which, you know, we just thought. And Isquay and I, I think, collectively thought, okay, thank you very much. We're just going to do this one song. (laughs) We're happy to be here. We love what's going on here. But this is just a gig, okay? (laughs) We're just doing a show here, you know? And we did one song, and uh, then that kept building. And then what happened was this uh, label that I mentioned earlier called Red Music Rising was being formed, uh, I guess, under the... Under the umbrella of coalition uh, management, uh, that those folks, they're good guys and gals. And we, uh, they said, Would you, you know, we'd like to s- sign you to our label. We'd like to sign your band. And I said, 
What band? I don't even know what you're talking about. So right now, I am in a fantastic situation with Isquay, with Chuck Copinus, of creating something that wasn't there yesterday. It's beautiful. It is not a band that, you know, I didn't go down. We didn't run into each other down at uh, the Horseshoe and say, you know, hey, I, I'm doing this. And you're, it, there was no discussion about what we were doing. Suddenly, we're just a band. And uh, now we're creating music. And we're creating what I think is a sound that is, as a result, different. Because there's nothing contrived about what we're doing. It's all kind of in the moment. In fact, uh, you know what? At the end, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep talking to you. Of course, that video that you sent me is beautiful. What is that? What, what did I send you? You sent you and Isquay and uh, the piano player from um, Blackie and the Rodeo Kings. Oh no, that was Jesse O'Brien. Jesse O'Brien. Oh, Jesse yeah, O'Brien. You, you know, the three of you. He's an incredible pianist. Do you want to know beautiful. why he's a great pianist? He's There's got two a feel. Reasons. He feels the. There's two reasons. Okay. He's from Hamilton. Okay, so I can brag on Hamilton musicians. I'm going to tell you why. Because Hamilton musicians didn't look as... Ne they've never really looked to Toronto for their inspiration. Right. They've looked to Detroit. They've looked to Buffalo. They've looked kind of... in the not, not intentionally, just in the other direction. So Jesse O'Brien... And you can use this or not. It doesn't matter. Jesse O'Brien is 40. He's the same age as my wife. He's 47 years old. But he grew up at the feet... Uh, his father was a singer, and I believe that he used to be the drug dealer for the band, the oh. Hawks, when they came to it. Don't use any of that. But um, I think that he was like friends. He's friends with Levon Helm and those guys. And I oh, think he was with the Hawks? He wasn't dad? with them. Oh, he was just right. Yeah, he was with them. Good friends. Yeah, they're friends. <laughs> and um, so when Jesse started playing piano, he started learning piano at the feet of those guys, Richard Bell. Oh, my right? God. Um, How who, fortunate. Yeah, Richard Bell, Stan Celeste, Ken Pearson, who, along with Richard Bell, was the other keyboard player for Janis Joplin. Both of them members of Blackie and the Rodeo Kings. Richard's passed. So um, Jesse learned to play piano instead of learning, listening to Professor Longhair or, or uh, Memphis Slim. Jesse learned right at the, at the feet of Stan Celeste. Richard Bell, Richard Manuel, those are the people he learned it. And Mike Short, who was a piano player in Jesse O'Brien wow. father's father's band. Like Hamilton is so small as far as uh, those communities go. Um, uh, so that's that's why Jesse plays the way he does. There's something just outside. I don't know what video I should. I'd like to know what video I sent you, because. Uh, that that's that's kind of interesting. I, I can I can I got all kinds of stuff on my phone. Now we're now the interview is just going into our phones. <laughs> so this is yeah. Uh, here we go into the phones into the phones. Well, while we're looking at the phones, and I'm now that ask I'm looking you, at my phone, I can see how many goddamn oh my god messages. So, okay, don't look at your messages. I won't. I won't go into that. Yeah, go don't but go I into won't that. Go into this for a minute because this could be. You look at the video. I'm going to look for the one you sent me, and I'm going to ask you the next question. Do yeah. you think? that this may be a golden opportunity for local artists to shine because the focus is now going more what can be provided locally all the i mean everybody's in the same boat internationally it doesn't matter whether you're a tom wilson or a tom yeah, uh, tom cochran or uh, tom jones. the police yes. or tom jones yeah yeah there's lots of toms out there yeah 
I got Tom's Tom Hicks, Tom Cochran, and Tom Wilson all in one photograph mm-hmm. from Gage Park the other year, a couple oh. of years ago. Hey, I got, uh, I got we, those. yes, that's right. That's right. We were. Uh, you forget Tommy, all. Tommy had me that's up right. to do. Um, I got the three Toms. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I don't know where you were in your conversation, but I okay. have got my own conversation going on. Okay. So here's golden opportunity. No, this is so. Th- I'll just show you. That's, yeah, that's that's the video. That it is okay, incredible. It's fa- yeah, it's fabulous. I just loved it, and I said I've watched it twice. Good. Okay. Well, then you know what? It's good. Now I don't want you to share that with anybody. Okay, just because. Uh, <gasps> okay. Don't start with your bullshit now, um, because it's, <laughs> it's no. I almost put it in my column this week, but you I didn't. cannot put them in your. Co- that's okay. just for, that was just for you, and that was just to show you what. Um, okay, what I won't. I didn't. And yeah, I won't. it's one of those things where. Um, I have I have a tendency just to I figure you know, this is part one of my problems with uh, I, I'm good at business, I'm good at dealing with money. But you like to share. But it's like if I create something, it's like well why not? You should probably hear this. You know what I mean? That's why I sent you that. It's like oh well you know I'm doing this, and if we're doing an interview, you should probably know what this is, and I'm really proud of it. So you know, but uh, there's it's there's beautiful. managers and agents and uh, accountants and people that are saying record companies saying. What are you doing? Wait a minute. So I, I got to be, I got to attempt to be cool. Okay. And by the way, just to make everything clear, I've never been cool in my life. And I guarantee you, I haven't. I've always been a nerd and uh, I've always said the wrong thing. I used to drink. So I used to basically be outspoken and try to sleep with everybody's wife. You know what I mean? So there's, n- I've never been cool ever, <laughs> ever. And I and you're cool now. Yeah, I guess I'm. Yeah, yeah sedated. Yeah, <laughs> sedated by what I won't ask. Okay, so back to the golden opportunity. So it's oh, okay. Yes. Okay, there's a there's a whole thing out there we see on advertising. You know, shop local, eat local, grow local, all this local stuff. But I'm thinking with everybody in the, at the same level, nobody can perform, including all three toms. Mm-hmm. Um, this is is this an opportunity now for local artists to sort of kind of rise to the top a little bit and take advantage of that space? Yeah, I don't know. I hope so, uh, because we more we need more we need more great thinkers who uh, are either pumping out books or uh, banging out on a guitar or um, you know mixing records. We need that. Um, as far as performing goes, I don't know. I think we're the whole world is going to come out a little bit rusty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or shredding. Yeah, or or we got out lots of their, of practice yeah, out time. of their minds. Um, but uh, I've been able to uh, personally. I've been able to do. You know, I've told you about that tip jar bullshit. Mm-hmm. Well, I managed to find enough gigs that actually wanted to pay me, like CBC and the National Arts Center and City Folk and people. You know, we just did a thing for that. That was from the Hillside Festival. Um, uh, so, I mean, I, I, I get a feel for interacting and playing music with people. But, you know, uh, I think after 47 years, I should still be able to get on a stage and do whatever it is I do. As far as other people go, I don't know what they're doing. You know, I mean, I uh, I see my friend Tara Lightfoot is really busy. She's an artist. She uh, she just keeps writing. She just keeps working really hard. Hopefully, hopefully, local artists will will have uh, venues to perform in, and uh, people have, will find uh, new new reasons to 
want to explore local music because the era that you and I were talking about is that we ended up in bars at the front of stages standing at the feet of people that we didn't know who the hell they were, uh, but we were willing to take that chance. The world is able to, if I want to see um, Charlie Parker performing, you know, it's not like when we were, I was younger, I had to look at a picture of Charlie Parker. I can see all these things come to life. I remember look, I had books of the Rolling Thunder Review and I looked at the pictures of, of Dylan and Roger McGuinn, you know, and Gordon Lightfoot. And, and now I can just go to YouTube and, and they're there, you know what I yeah. mean? Hopefully people will have uh, done their time with uh, online access and actually want to experience something new. I would hope that. I mean, I just feel that repetition in this world is, is, you know, how we've been bringing up our children for years. My kids grew up with VHS tapes, and they played the same movies over and over and over again. The Wizard of Oz, Hard Day's Night, and Bugs Bunny. It's just over and over and over, you know. And now my grandsons are like on iPads, and they play the same games, and they watch TikTok videos over and over. So... I don't know where there is room for discovery, uh, organic, inspired discovery. I'm not saying that you and I are that great that we're, we actually went out and see music just for the sake of fucking being there, man, experiencing it. Sometimes it was great. And sometimes we were looking at somebody that was going to knock everything out of the park and sometimes we were looking at people that disappeared and it didn't matter to us. It was the experience of our own interaction with something that we didn't know. And I think that people are a little more afraid of that. And the reason why they're afraid of that is because the world has set them up to be afraid of that. The art world, the music industry uh, are prime examples of limiting what people get to experience and um it's really the adventurers and the uh the pioneers that need to come together the adventurers being you and i going to the club and the pioneers being the people who are going to throw down something brand new that we have never fucking heard before isn't that exciting yes mm-hmm. that was a lot of talking too well this has just been basically me talking and talking and talking but you're perfect for the, the right. it's and excellent it just, you know what this is perfect yeah okay you know because we haven't had a chance with all of the places i've seen you photographed you talked to you for 20 seconds or less book signings we've never had a chance to no. actually sit down and converse no and this is this is for me this project the beauty of a lot of that is actually sitting down with artists that I've been shooting for the last five or six years mm -hmm. that I've never really had the opportunity to talk to. Yeah. And, when do you, when do you get it? and it's such a transient. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm older now. I mean, probably years ago, I'd probably just, you know, <laughs> try, try to be inappropriate. You know what I mean? With you. Uh, now right. I just want to go to my dressing room and I want to get in my car and go home. Yeah. It's just the way my life is now, you know, but interaction is, uh, it's not the best place taking photographs of people and trying to talk to artists in, in clubs it's and venues. Crowded. It's, it's not the best. Yeah. No, you know? it's not. And some of them I have managed to see outside the clubs and we've become friends. Yeah. Um, but 
those are more local artists, and it's just nice to be able to reconnect and connect yeah. with them. I've loved well, it. People discover local music. I mean, let's yeah. just talk as an example. Yeah. I uh, we did a show in Omaha, a big show. It was uh, two other groups from the United States, Blackie and the Rodeo Kings, who were the second to last band. Uh, this is like in a park in the middle of Omaha for thousands of people. And the headliner was Paul Reddick. Not kidding, which made complete sense to me because he's absolutely a genius as far as I'm concerned. And he wowed thousands of people in Omaha because he was given the chance to. His band and him were unbelievable and he came off and I said this is where you should be you know I mean the thought of Paul Reddick playing for thousands of people in Omaha and people their jaws just dragging on the ground with what happened on that stage and probably he had to fly home and play the Cameron House for a basket full of you know toonies and loonies it just doesn't make sense does it no that's my that's that's a little island of a thought on a great local musician. For this next song, we're going to hear two versions. Originally written and released in 2015 with his band, Lee Harvey Osmond, Tom Wilson and Isquay have partnered to record a revised version of his song, Blue Moon Drive, released in November 2020. The single is an incredible collaboration of not only three amazing artists, Tom, Isquay, and trumpeter Chuck Copanese. It's also the celebration of four indigenous nations uniting together to celebrate their art. Isque representing Cree and Métis, Tom representing Mohawk, and Chuck representing Ojibwe. One, two, three, four. Yeah. 
Welcome back to the Pandemic Interviews, Conversations in a Changing Time. The song you just heard, Blue Moon Drive, is a somewhat autobiographical story of 18-year-old Tom's first trip and introduction to L.A. In this revised version, Tom is joined by indigenous singer Isque. You're listening to a conversation I had with Tom Wilson in February 2021. Do you think the current circumstances have in any way heightened the awareness or the contributions of the music community and arts and entertainment in general, but I'm focusing more on the music community. Oh, ah, fuck, man. Canadians <laughs> are not going to appreciate anything until they stop and look in the mirror and realize who they are. I said the same thing about truth and reconciliation. It's like, oh, no, we didn't kill any Indians here. Oh, we didn't do that. No, that couldn't be us. We are Canada. And we're attached. We're just still still holding on to the queen's tits you know what i mean we're still fucking you know holding on to the british empire in some way and i say fuck that shit the sooner we become politically and religiously independent is the moment that we're going to actually realize who we are as a country and we're going to be able to understand that we have great artists and we have great thinkers and we have the ability to be able to heal ourselves because this country needs healing and i believe that all mankind womankind can be healed through art because it's coming from a place that politics and war and religion and corporations are not coming from so Canada's gone. <laughs> like I said before about truth and reconciliation, the truth is just coming out. There is yeah. absolutely no reconciliation in any way. No. There's nothing, nothing. Don't even, we can't even pretend to be reconciling the devastation to an entire culture that this country has, you know, put on, that colonialism. Really what North America has done. North America, yes. Yeah. people of yes. This con- on this continent has been you know it's not, i don't think i have enough adjectives to describe how well horrific you know that, you know it's a whole other subject yeah, but you it know it's uh, for me uh, i don't talk about politics too much i don't talk about religion too much i actually am not dead against either corporations i deal with a lot of corporate i'm not dead against anything all i'm saying is that the answers are not there the answers are in uh, the creative thinkers on this planet Fair enough. Boy, that was a mouthful. That was a good one. Yeah, really, really letting it out. What have you found to be the most difficult or challenging during the pandemic? Difficult or challenging? Well, I mean, to go against everything I just said, you know, the consumer therapy has been really down to a minimum. Not that I'm in love with... Can I just tell you that when I go to the mall, uh, I, I I told my wife years ago, I said... I got 20 minutes here, and after that, I'm out. I'm out in the parking lot, and I'm, you know, I used to smoke cigarettes till I had a stroke. I'm out in the parking lot smoking cigarettes, which I don't anymore, or I'm taking care of emails or something, but that's all I've got. But just that touch of having the option to be able to step out into the world, that's what I've missed, you know? Uh, my, my entertainment, I don't, I don't drink, and I, I've been clean and sober for 21 years. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, I mean, my entertainment, I have no interest really in being in bars. I have no interest uh, in uh, any of that. So going out to eat, you know, 
taking my wife out to eat, taking my kids out to eat. That that's that's kind of my social life. So that really hasn't been happening, you know. So we have I have a fire pit out in my yard. I set a fire and some of my family come over and, and hang out sometimes and and really that's about as good as life gets anyway. How do you think you're gonna move forward in twenty twenty one and beyond? Any uh, we're, thoughts we're, on that or are you just doing day by day? Well, how's this? We're still in uh <laughs> we're in twenty twenty one now and my ass is grass as it is, so you know what I mean? I don't know. It can only get better. Um well, I don't see any changes. I mean, uh, we're we're talking about this is the difference between artists and the rest of the world too, and this is where artists have to start thinking differently. Is that the pandemic came and we wanted a drive-through answer to it? We wanted to order it one window and pick it up at the other, and that's how it goes. And when pandemics happen. In movies, or when disaster happens in movies, there's an end. There's an epilogue. There's 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 fi- there's a final yep. winning moment, and that's not real life. That's not really how it works. So this pandemic, this could just be the way we're going to be living for the rest of our lives. This could be the way the planet is going to be, and and maybe we're going to be wearing masks everywhere we go forever. And you know what? I don't care. I don't care if I have to wear a mask. It doesn't really, it's not a thing for me. There's, there's, it it sounds like a first world problem to me. You're right. Two positives. Yes. To come out of, of this. One personally and one professionally. One personally. uh, I've overcome some great hurdles with the people that I love the most because I have been faced, I've had to face parts of my relationships that uh, were not as good as they could have been. So my connection with many of the people that I love is a lot stronger than it ever has been, and I don't see it letting go. What was the other one? Professionally. Oh, professionally? That I've overcome? A positive. A positive. Yes. I like to end these these chats on a positive note. I've, um, I feel that my uh, I, I'm turning the corner in my visual art, I feel that I'm creating things that uh, will be more substantial and hopefully resonate with people um, in a greater way and will have greater value to, uh, to society, will help, will help things out. So if my art, what I do, makes me money, I have to give back to the world in some way. So either through what I create being a positive influence or a new way of thinking or considering a new way of thinking for somebody, or even if I'm just giving money away to the food banks, you know, or even if I'm driving out to uh, 1492 Landback Lane delivering food and playing a few songs, which I got arrested for in October. If those things, uh, uh, you know, uh, a little more clarity on how I'm going to give back uh, that's what I would like. That's I, I, I actually have a third question that you're going to ask. What would you like to have happen? I would like to uh, have a greater understanding of how I can help the world to get to a better place. A live version, Lee Harvey Osmond performs Blue Moon Drive at Massey Hall. To quote Tom, I ended up living on chili dogs and selling hash to tourists outside Grauman's Chinese Theater. It was all total shit, and it may have been demoralizing for someone else. But for me, it was a chance to throw down and reinvent my goal. 
It might have been the first step to becoming an artist and learning that it ain't about the fuckers up there on the billboards that count. It's the hobos in the fields and the motels full of sin that make the landscape interesting. Take that blue moon dry. 
dead or alive every night we take that The song you just heard was Blue Moon Drive, as performed live by Tom Wilson's alter ego, Lee Harvey Osmond. If you could choose, and going back to that young kid who was focused on getting into the music business somehow, Mm -hmm. being an artist, up to now, if you could choose one artist or band you've dreamed of performing with, even as a young lad, who would that be? Oh, geez, that's such a great question. Because as a kid... Uh, we couldn't, uh, you know, the typical story, we couldn't, there's no way we could afford a guitar. I stole my first guitar. I stole my first guitar from Waddington's music. And, uh, uh, it comes out now. Oh, it came out before. <laughs> you know what? I had to tell this it came story. came out in the book. I, I was, it came out in the book and I had to, um, I had to, uh, I was at Massey Hall and I had to, I was part of, um, inducting, Neil Young into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame. And I was reading from my book. Uh, I'd rewritten a passage. I was reading about Neil Young and about stealing that guitar was inspired by Harvest and Tonight's the Night and and that I actually stole the guitar from Waddington's and I took a, a public transit to get home. So I had the stolen guitar in my hands and then I had to go stand wait for a bus in Gore Park to get home right which Neil Young thought was really 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 funny so I'm reading this story I'm reading about Neil Young and I look out in the audience and he's seven rows in like he's sitting right there and I'm reading to him about him and after after that gala we were there to induct Bruce Coburn, Blackie, and the Rodeo Kings, and I was there to do my reading for Neil Young. And there was a big party after, and um, I'm standing talking to a bunch of people, and I get a tap on my shoulder from this security guy with the earpiece and everything, right? And he said, Mr. Wilson. I said, yes. I figured, holy fuck, I don't even know what I did, but I'm getting thrown out. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I, I used to get thrown out of everywhere, but... Now you're going to throw me out and I'm, okay. And uh, he said, uh, uh, Mr. Young would like to say hello. And I thought, oh my God. Yes, I would like to say, by the way, I would like to say hello to Neil Young too. So this is great. Come with me. I follow this guy who's like bigger than me, right? And I'm approaching Neil Young and I'm thinking, oh my God, I've been waiting my entire life, you know, to say, hey, Neil, how you doing, man? And as I'm approaching Neil Young, he's with his girlfriend, who's Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah, yeah. It's like, okay, Neil Young is standing beside a mermaid. And all of a sudden, I don't care at all about Neil Young. And it's just like, I'm just so excited to meet Daryl Hannah. Anyways, that was my moment meeting Neil Young. Here's another, I got another <laughs> Neil Young story for you. You guys will enjoy this. You'll enjoy this. My my friend Ray Ferrugia, who's a drummer for, he was a drummer for me during the punk rock days, during 
Junkhouse. He's Lee Harvey Osmond's drummer. We're playing at the Dakota, and Astrid Young, Neil Young's sister, gets up. We're going to do, we decide we're going to do Are You Ready for the Country? She gets up and sings it, because she was the backup singer on all the Harvest Moon and, uh, and and worked with her brother quite a bit. So um, Astrid Young, Ray meets Astrid Young, falls in love immediately. They get married. They have a wonderful marriage. They've been together, I think, 10 or 12 years. They live down in Picton County. But uh, so Neil Young is, uh, has a brother-in-law who's my best friend. Now, the funny thing is about this is that Ray Ferrugia is the only person I know who has never owned a Neil Young record in his life. Doesn't really know the music that much. Knows probably a few of the hits. Probably knows Old Man and, and Rockin' in the Free World, right? Doesn't really know anything about Neil Young. So as a result, instead of any of us being Neil Young's brother-in-law, where we'd be hanging out and things would be cool, and after a while we'd have to say, holy shit, man, I just have to tell you, tonight's the night changed my life, and I was wondering, you know, how you write your song, any of that crap that you do when you become mm-hmm. fan, f- super fan, that never happens with Ray, never happens, because Ray doesn't know any of his fucking music, man, so Ray will be sitting on the tour bus Drinking a drinking a beer and Neil will come in and say, "Hey Ray, how you doing?" And Ray will say, "Ah shit, man," he said, "I gotta spend three thousand dollars to keep my car on the road." Uh, Neil, I don't know whether to scrap it or whether to get the work done. And Neil will say, "Yeah, I hear you, Ray." Which, by the way, Neil does not hear him at all about that <laughs> subject. They talk about plumbing and they talk about you know whatever it is they talk about. So I call Ray up. This is uh, going back. It's a Sunday night. I call Ray up. Say, hey, man, what are you doing? Ah. He says, I'm going to the Juno Awards. It's like, you're going to the Juno Awards? I said, oh, my God. I said, you hated that. When we were winning Junos, you hated the Juno Awards. What are you What are you doing at the Juno Awards? Ah. He says, I know, I know, I know. He says, but Neil's getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. So he, they, he asked us to all come down. So we're all coming down to watch Neil at the Juno Awards. This is going to be nice. I said, hey, that sounds great. Sounds great, you know, to be Neil's guest at the, you know. I said, well, where are you? He goes, I'm, you know, down at whatever, the Royal York or whatever. I said, oh, well, you're at the Royal York. I said, you know, that's that's pretty cool. Pretty swanky. You got a room there? No, no, no. I said, well, whose room are you in? Well, I'm in Neil's room. What? You're hanging out in Neil Young's room? Yeah, yeah, I'm hanging out in Neil Young's room. Well, who else is there? Nobody. It's just, it's just me and Neil. What? You're hanging out. You're alone in Neil Young's hotel. I said, well, what's he doing? Ray says, this is right. This is his story. Ah, I don't know. He's sitting on the bed playing guitar, singing. What? You're, you mean to say you're alone in Neil Young's hotel room and he's sitting on the bed five feet from you playing guitar and singing? Oh, my God. I said, what song is he singing? And I swear to God, Ray says, I don't want to ask him in case it's one of his big ones. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, how did we get on that subject? I have no idea. Oh, it was something about... Uh, Which, the question was, if you could choose one artist or band you dreamed of performing with. Okay, let's just say Neil Young then. <laughs> Obviously, it's it going to be... It ties it all in. Oh, Fuck it. Neil Fuck Young. it. It's Neil Young. Okay. And, Anyways, and he did he did send me a beautiful card, which I don't know where... I, I put it in a frame. And it said to Tom, thanks for reading from your book. I love that story, Neil Young, which was nice. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, which Ray, of course, said, <laughs> I got so much autograph stuff by that guy, it's coming out of my ass. Ray, uh, just to clarify, though, Ray is not uh, disrespectful. He just, you know, Isn't he's it? just another guy to him. He does, I, He's always been like that, except for uh, Freddie Fender, who he absolutely adored. Freddie Fender, actually, that's it. That's the only person that I've seen Ray Wild by. And Junkhouse, we toured with Bob Dylan, and we were out there with Green Days and all these bands and Hole and all kinds of people over the years when we were together. And, you know, he was never wowed or didn't care about anybody. But Freddie Fender, that was his, uh, that was where he became a complete fanboy. Anyway. What brings you joy? My grandson's. Uh, doing Legos with my grandson, uh, picking them up from school, my grandsons. Sometimes I, because my daughter uh, is at Queen's Park, she has to drive into work early, so I have to go over there at 7 a.m. and get them ready for school and get them to school. I love that. The warmth of uh, a relationship that I have finally grown as a human being or as a man enough that I can accept uh, being loved by one person. And when you finally find somebody that uh, you're ready to be with, that's easy. So really my wife and uh, my kids and my grandkids, my mother, you know, who uh, that that's a lot of joy. Her honesty and uh, being able to tell her story in depth, uh, that's, that's great. You know, she started talking. She really started talking. I, they're doing this documentary on me which is totally embarrassing. Like that's, the guy's great, Shane Belcourt. His sister is Christy Belcourt, famous indigenous artist. And um, it, it's it, he's a great guy and I like hanging out with him. Uh, but it's really embarrassing to uh, have a documentary uh, done about you. That's, you know, it, it really is looking too far up your own asshole, you know, to say the least. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, she, uh, he came over, I brought him over to my, my mother's condo and she sat at the kitchen table and, uh, Shane's indigenous. Also, she, she opened up and started talking, telling. This Rhea. is your mom? Yeah. This is Janie, right? Janie, yeah. She's 81 and she just gives pieces, like flashes of, of the story out. She never really sits down and tells the story. She just puts the fractions of her life out there and it's up to me to kind of bring them all together put them together in my mind so i can get the story so that's that brought me a lot of joy too basically so the a simple answer is my connection with the people that i love that is what uh, brings me joy and i'm kind of getting to be an old fella so you know i need someone to you know change my diapers and as soon as they as soon as they put me in the chair you know, as soon as they, uh, as soon as I'm locked down in the chair and the IVs come out and the diapers go on, uh, I'm sending one of my, uh, 
kids or my grandkids down to the horseshoe to find my old heroin dealer. That's it. The gloves are off. I'm back on the junk. (laughs) (laughs) I keep telling my older sons, both my sons, you know, I get to that point, just take me out in the backyard, give me my final cigarette. I haven't smoked in over 30 years, but give me my final cigarette. Blindfold me and put me out of my misery. (laughs) Yeah. Because my eldest son says, Mom, you keep going down this path. It's Shady Pines, Shady Pines. And I went, you'll never get me into Shady Pines. No, I said, you know what? Uh, and and, and both, yes, I used to smoke a long time ago, but yeah. Both Bunny and George Wilson, yeah. uh, my great aunt and uncle who raised, yeah. both died of Alzheimer's. Yeah. I know what that's like. Nobody wins, that's for sure. No. Like every other disease, it, it's it, the ripple effect is just devastating. So um, I told my kids where the money, where their money is, and I said, there's also a brick uh, inside uh, that safe. I said, so you go to the safe, you open the safe, the money's in there for you. You take the brick, you bring the brick, you drop it on my head, then you can take the money. That's it. I don't, I'm not going down. I don't want to go down. I don't want to lose my mind. I'm going to start taking Prevagen and uh, I don't know. What do you have to do to keep your mind? Prevagen, I'm going to take you Prevagen. You have to keep being creative. Prevagen, just, you know. uh, eat more fruit, whack off more. You know what I mean? Whatever it takes, I am trying to stay in the land of the living. No, I'm four years ahead of you, so. No, you look great. Thanks. Way to go. Way to go. Yeah, so be, you're, uh, you're so this 65? Be, I'll be 65 this year. Jesus, can you believe that we're fucking, like 65 just seemed, and also. And this 22-year-old moved here in 79 and went, this is it. This is it. <laughs> Toronto's a great town. I never thought I'd be saying I'm 61. Also, when we were in our 20s and we thought about 61 or 65, we thought, oh, well, I'll have that's all my shit together then. old. Yeah, I know. That's really old. That's but at least, at least I'll be settled. And it's like, uh, No, uh, I'll never retire. Know, too restless to settle. Uh, I, edit, I edit films for the live shows and I edit films for uh, video. This, uh, for, this is for my own... Uh, stuff for my art exhibits etc and that's about as close to the technology as i can get i also can't i have learning i have um, uh, dyslexia right so just Mm -hmm. this is important to this is an important factor to this interview is that um uh i don't consider myself i keep talking about don't ever say you're an artist say that you're on the road to becoming an artist because you know when people are throwing dirt on your grave they should be the ones saying, well, you know what, old pops there, man, he, he made art right to the end. You know, I guess he mm-hmm. was an artist. But uh, I, I don't, I can't paint. Uh, or, or I, you know, technically I, I'm not a good drawer or anything, but I, I do love to paint. So, but you paint from here. Yeah. That's what's important. Uh, I'm dyslexic, so I have difficulty reading books, mm-hmm. but somehow I've managed to be able to write I'm into my second and I'm, I'm a hack, complete fucking hack musician, but I've managed to be in music for 47 years and written songs for um, all kinds of folks, you know? So that's an important part of, of how I identify myself is not being the things that I produce. And that's a whole other interview for us i think you've just listened to a conversation i had with tom wilson february 12th 2021 this interview was recorded at soundhouse studio located on eastern avenue in toronto canada 
Owned by producer-engineer John Jameson, John is also my co-editor and mixer for all the interviews we record at Soundhouse. He makes us all sound good, and me sound like I know what I'm doing. With respect for the times we live in right now, all appropriate safety measures are taken during any in-person interview recorded at Soundhouse. Many thanks go to Eddie and Quincy Bullen and Paul DeLong for writing and performing the fantastic theme music for the show. And to all of you who have tuned in to listen to what these artists have to say, thank you for taking the time and inviting us into your cars, offices, and homes. I am Pat Blythe. You're listening to Love the Music. Have a great day and a wonderful evening. Mm -hmm.